<laughs> what a great day, man. Silence just walked up to me and said, hi, Pastor Jeremy. That was awesome, dude. Oh, man. So good. That line, he's resurrecting me. Our sermon title today is Tombs Don't Lie. Tombs Don't Lie. And you can turn to John 20 as we get ready for that. Uh, I just want to encourage you that I'm working really hard to make sure as we're talking about the elements of Easter, we were gathered here Friday night for Good Friday, and uh, when you really think about it, that's a, that's a little macabre. Um, now we're talking about tombs, and I've got all ages in the room, right? So I've got to navigate this pretty carefully. So the beautiful part is, this time last year, myself and five people were in an empty room. So he's resurrecting me. Because of an empty tomb, we're gathered. Because of a resurrected tomb, we have the joy of knowing that we can be spiritually healthy, right? We have an urgency. You're going to hear this, and I think it's my second point as I get into it. And that's why I was running back and forth on the stage, is that there's an urgency, right, for, for our society to go out and get our vaccine, right? Is there an urgency for us to chase after Jesus? like we chase after that which heals or protects our body physically? Today, the message of an empty tomb speaks to your soul. It speaks to your spirit, and it will give you life. Amen? So what an empty tomb in Jerusalem does is it, it, it's trying to tell us something. And so I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, why don't I just for a, a, a practice something interesting, a soundbite maybe, why don't I go look at, at, at the old internet and just kind of find things that tombs try to tell us? Some of you have actually probably thought about this. Like, what's going to go on my tombstone? Right? I'm not going to ask who has thought about it. My wife has worked mine out already. Right? Let your imaginations run wild. But I'll just tell you what, what she's going to have put on there. Allergies did it. <laughs> right? Because every time there's like, hey, babe, you know, we need the trash. Oh, gosh, I feel so bad. Uh, allergies, uh, I don't think I can do it. Hey, babe, the, the dog needs what? Oh, God, it's so bad out there. The pollen is horrible. I can't. It's going to be allergies did it. And so I don't know about you, but I have kind of thought through this a little bit. The beautiful part is that my tomb will be empty one day according to the promises of Scripture. So what we hear about an empty tomb today, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who he knows by name, for those that have pursued him and have placed their faith and trust in him, that tomb will be empty one day. So I started looking at some things that people have put on tombstones. <laughs> so I'm just going to run 10 of them by you. Okay? Is that okay? Can I do that? Let me... Oh, let's just move on. No, no. Because I feel the tension in the room, 
This is going to be one of those, if you're visiting today, this is going to be one of those really bad, cheesy, Pastor Jared tries to tell a joke moment. Okay, so just brace yourselves. Here we go. Number one, died from not forwarding that text to 10 people. (laughs) Number two, this was actually on a tombstone. Oh, well, whatever. (laughs) This one has to be made up. I saw like 18 of these. (laughs) I don't know. Some of you bakers might get it. Here lies John Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. (laughs) I don't know. Now let's age the room, shall we? You ready? Let's age the room. What do you think is going to be on Mel Blank's tombstone? That's all, folks. Well done. Most of you are like, who's Mel Blank? Well, I'm going to double down. Merv Griffin. I'm embarrassed I even know that name. But Merv Griffin, what do you think is on Merv Griffin? This is actually true. What do you think is on Merv Griffin's tombstone? I will not be right back after these messages. Uh, Another tombstone. I'm guessing the wife wrote this one. He loved bacon. Oh, and his wife and kids too, under the subtext. Uh, Number seven, I told you I was sick. I don't know. Here's... here is someone who's a little bitter. I'm just, t- I'm just saying, I'm just reading them. I didn't write them. Here lies my husband, Tom. Now I know where he is at night. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just the messenger. Uh, another one, I think this one, this one was in the Bay Area. For rent, very small one bedroom, very quiet neighbors. You may see it happen (laughs) the way rents are. People might be renting out a a coffin. Who knows? The last one, I I feel badly about this. Kids, this is not real. I think I traumatized somebody in first service. This is not real. I just want you to know, this is not real. Somebody did it as a joke, but there's a picture of a kid crying hysterically, so I'm like, oh my goodness, what's wrong? And then I looked past the kid to the tombstone, and it said, Santa Claus. You know what? Let me go back. Uh, You don't want to end with that one. Let's see. I told you I was sick. (laughs) What was Jesus' tomb saying? It was empty. There was an empty tomb. Can you imagine going to visit a loved one that you've interned and there's no... There's no body. An empty tomb gave pause for Mary to stay back and grieve. Mary Magdalene. It gave her pause to stay back and grieve and wonder and wait. She didn't pass it up too fast. And because of this, she was rewarded with an encounter it took others much longer to experience. Maybe we can learn from that experience today. Turn to John 20. And as we look at this, let me set the the subtext up a little bit. Mary had gone to, Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb early in the morning. 
I had a wonderful moment this morning. Oh, real quickly before Livier leaves, I want to announce uh, Alexander, our new child. Alexander, congratulations. And this rose represents Alexander, which is a beautiful part of life, right? So congratulations so much, Livier. And the nursery is to your left. Swipe left. As we look at the the passage this morning, we're going to be in verses 11 through 18, but let me set up the context. Mary Magdalene had already gone to the tomb early in the morning, and this morning I had a a glorious, glorious moment. I I woke up probably about 5.45, and it was dark outside, but I could hear roosters. I could hear chickens. I could hear the screeching of tires in Antioch. And uh, I just thought, oh, this is great. I get to have kind of my own sunrise service. And by the time I got in my car, the sun was just cresting in a clear, clear sky, just cresting over the horizon. And it was shining directly into my car, right on my face. It was just a wonderful moment early, early this morning. By the time I hit Antioch and Bailey Road, it was cloudy and dark, and I thought we went in reverse back to Black Friday. So I'm just saying, Brentwood, a little bit more righteous. (laughs) Antioch, Pittsburgh, you got a ways to go. All right, I'm just saying what my experience was. Experience does not lie. But as, as we look at this idea, Mary had gotten up early. She went to the tomb. There was no body. The tomb was empty. So she ran with urgency back to where the disciples were. Okay, so she goes to the tomb, Mason, she sees Jesus isn't there, and what happens? Oh no, and so she runs back to her friends to tell them Jesus is missing. So what happens? I gotta tell you, if these two guys, John and Peter, there was like a rivalry going on with these two guys nonstop, whether it's in John 21 or whether it's here. Now this is John's account and he tends to make a big deal out of the fact that he beat Peter in the foot race. Okay, that's part of the subtext. He kind of makes it subtle, like it's really not that big of a deal, but he wants you to know he got there before Peter. He's faster than Peter. So Mary runs back to tell the disciples. Now John and Peter run to the tomb, and they find it empty. Mary's with them. And they're utterly amazed. So verse 10, let's pick it up before we get to verse 11, and it helps you understand. It says this, Then the disciples went back to their homes. There's nothing to see here, folks. Go home. Right? There's nothing to see here. Go home. An empty tomb caused a lot of cardio and exercise that day urgency. You see, an empty tomb will cause urgency in your life, will it not? The idea of all the the grief of Friday night, and that when you get to a certain point where you go back to visit the tomb and there's no body, it creates an immense urgency in your life. An urgency to run and find Jesus. Are you there today spiritually? 
Are you running to find Jesus? Or are you just kind of sauntering? See, I told you there was a reason why I risked every muscle in my lower extremities at the beginning of the service today. An urgency. Mary did not return back with the disciples. Let's look at it. I'm going to read the passage, 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept, or as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid them. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, she turned to him and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, the understanding that she knew it was Jesus suddenly. And what happens? Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. An empty tomb caused a lot of cardio that day, the sense of urgency. Is there urgency? As we look at an empty tomb today, is there urgency in your faith? I commend you that there is urgency. You're here. You're here to worship and exalt that which has never happened in history, that which confirms everything Jesus ever said and ever prophesied, that which changed the direction of history and mankind, that which approaches you and I personally, speaks to you and I personally, and gives eternal life. An empty tomb caused grief and wonder and waiting. We see Mary outside the tomb. She's staying. While Peter and John returned, just like a guy, right? There's nothing to see here. Let's move on. Let's get back home, right? And so with that, Mary chooses to stay. And so she's weeping outside the tomb. And as she's weeping outside the tomb, she doesn't move too quickly through her grief. This is something that we need to learn in our society, in our culture. Too often, many of you, this past year maybe even, have gone through immense grief. And our society, our culture wants to coach us. You need to move on. Take this class. Read this book. You need to get to a point where you're, you're okay. But Mary Magdalene remembered that Jesus reached out to her when she was thrown into the streets as a prostitute. When the crowd wanted to kill her with the stones and Jesus stepped up and he intervened. And he said, you who have no sin, cast what? The first stone. Cast the first stone. 
Hey guys, everything is fine. That's our friend Rachel. And she's here praising Jesus. So her family's with her and, and we're all good, okay? So an empty tomb caused wonder and grief and waiting. My question for you in the midst of this is do you take the time to grieve? Do you take the time to grieve things that have hurt you desperately? Or have you suppressed it? Have you just moved on? Have you faked spiritual health? I encourage you this morning, take a book from Mary who the Lord intervened for. The Lord stood amongst the crowd and defended a prostitute valued her, defended her. And when she realized, being the first one to go to the tomb that morning, how much he meant to her, the urgency in her life, because he knew how she, he, she knew how he changed her life. She was the first one there, and so even after the disciples left, she still needed to have a private moment to grieve. Have you found those moments, those private, quiet times to let your soul cry out. I encourage you, take a lesson from an empty tomb. Take a lesson from Mary. An empty tomb provided an amazing encounter because Mary stayed back. Because Mary was attending to her spiritual and emotional needs. Now that doesn't mean Peter and John were wrong. Everybody does things a little bit differently, right? And the Lord will intersect with them eventually. But watch what happens. Because Mary stays back and she wants to be where the last place was that she knew Jesus was, she had to do it that way so she could process, so that she could go through this. And so Mary, because of this, has an amazing encounter because of the empty tomb. Mary saw angels in the Lord. You remember what we read, right? That as she looked in and as she was weeping, two angels, one at the head and one at the feet, Say, what, who are you looking for? And then shortly after that, she turns around and there's a stranger behind her. She doesn't recognize Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener, right? And Mary, because it's a rented tomb, is thinking he's, he's hidden the body because they need the tomb. So she's saying, hey, look, I, I, I get it, but wherever you've stored the body, just let me know. He was the caretaker of that area in her mind. Just tell me where you've put the body. I'll take it. I'll take care of it. I'll shoulder that burden because of what Jesus meant to me. She has this amazing encounter with two angels that John and Peter never had. Because of an empty tomb and because of her grief and because of waiting. And then what happens? My question to you is, she has this amazing encounter because Jesus shows up. When Jesus shows up around you, do you recognize it? Now this is a little odd, right? She doesn't recognize Jesus at first. And some scholars say it's because of her emotions. I don't think so. I, I, I think there's something that's going on here that gets deeper into their interactions. And we're going to reveal that in just a second. But I want you to think about this fact. That an empty tomb created an amazing encounter with Jesus that Mary had. Remember Jewish culture, that every directive went through the man in that culture. The leadership, it was men in that leadership culture, yet what happens? 
Who is the first person Jesus decides to speak to after an empty tomb? A woman. And not just a woman, Mary. The woman who would have been scorned by all the culture and all the society. He chooses that woman to be the first one he reveals himself to. My question is, Jesus is doing this all around us. Do you recognize it? Do you recognize it when it happens out of Scripture? Do you recognize it when Jesus is speaking through somebody with his word? Maybe you should recognize it in your prayer times. Maybe it's through a song. Maybe it's just through direct encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you recognize those amazing moments? Or have you moved on so fast that you missed it? This morning, you are here for an amazing moment. You have taken time to slow down. You have postponed your, your uh, family festivities. Your big hodad at Golden Corral. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for holding off on going to Golden Corral. <clears throat> Maybe stay with that. An empty tomb provided an amazing encounter. Mary saw angels in the Lord, and at first she doesn't recognize him. That was by design by the Lord. Now watch what happens. You remember what the gardener said to her, right? What did he say? One major general statement. Addressed her by gender. What was it? Woman. Very typical at that time. Woman. Now watch what happens. This is amazing. An empty tomb brought intimacy of relationship to the forefront with Jesus. An empty tomb brought intimacy of relationship to the forefront with Jesus. Hey, brother, we've got the broadcast in the fireside room for you, okay? All right. Let me just take a moment. This morning as I drove in, I saw somebody sleeping in the dirt with their head on a rock. And I started to pull over and I almost caused an accident. And I couldn't circle back around. And I thought of what story? Jesus with the Good Samaritan, right? In some ways, in some ways, I was the guy that didn't have time to stop. If our churches aren't open to someone like Rachel and their family, then we have nothing to do with Christ, right? So thank you for being accepting. And Robin, Melissa, your daughter's welcome here anytime, and you guys are as well. All right, let's get back to this amazing encounter with intimacy. This is going to blow your mind. You may have never noticed this out of the passage. So she has this amazing encounter, and she doesn't recognize Jesus at first. That happens for us all the time, does it not? And he addresses her as woman, common. What happened? There is such a beautiful 
revelation here of because of an empty tomb, it brought intimacy of relationship to the forefront with Jesus. Go back to the text. She gives this big statement about, just give me the body, I'll take care of the body, I won't name you. And you can just see Jesus lean in. And what does he say? Mary. Mary. He calls her by name. And she instantly recognizes him. So much of our life loses intimacy because we're so caught up in the details of life. Where's the body? Where's the body? Where's the body? So much so that maybe she didn't recognize Jesus. So he just addresses her generally, woman. But Jesus doesn't let us continue on without that intimacy with him. Eventually, he will go to whatever lengths it takes for us to recognize him. So if today you're saying, I don't have those amazing encounters, I encourage you, slow down like Mary did. Slow down like Mary did. And then keep engaging, keep seeking with a sense of urgency. And then you will hear. Sinet. Sammy. Scotty. Nando. Margie, Yvette, have you ever thought how amazing this moment is? An empty tomb, she's distraught. The guys being guys moved on. There's nothing to see here. But she lingers. And because she lingers in seeking after the Lord, she has an encounter that at first she did not recognize. All of this is because of an empty tomb. And when she didn't recognize, Jesus just comes in a little tighter and says, Mary. And what does she do? She screams. She screams. It's Jesus. And she doesn't just scream, she locks on. Right? She gives a definition to a clingy woman. So much so that Jesus says, what? Don't cling to me. Let me go, right? For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. An empty tomb galvanized family bonds between the church and Christ. There is something amazing here for you and I to see if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, being God. Did you catch it? Mary, don't hold on to me too tight. I have something for you to do. I want you to go and tell the disciples what you've seen. That's what he said, right? You're all, what, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say right now? Okay, because he set me up really bad. He didn't say disciples, he said brothers. And by the way, I think we can take a little bit of gender liberty here to include sisters, okay? It was just 
part of the language and how you spoke at that time. But prior to the resurrection in an empty tomb, you don't see Jesus speak in these terms. What does he say? My father, your father. My God, your God. Things are different. You are my brothers. Have you ever thought of being the brother of Jesus or the fact that he names you as a brother or sister? What unbelievable intimacy because of an empty tomb. I appreciated that, amen. It was a little muffled through a mask so we could really like rip one off right about now, everybody. Thank you. That's much better. Do you consider that because of our shared promised experience of resurrection, Jesus refers to us as brothers? Before I prepped this lesson, I had read that I don't know how many times and it never really dawned on me. This is different. Because of an empty tomb, this is different. Jesus presents this family, this spiritual family, And he tells Mary, go and tell the brothers what you have seen. You know, the gospel commitment is the adoption process. The gospel commitment is the adoption process. If you ever go into court for an adoption hearing, the final legal proceeding, there's a lot of questions to the family, but the adopted child, if they're a little bit older, is always asked, is always interviewed by the judge. And the child if of a certain age, needs to say they want to go be with this family. This is how our heavenly experience works, brothers and sisters. Because of an empty tomb, death has no victory or hold on you spiritually. Amen? But as the judge, being the father, he interviews you and says, the work is done, it is finished, my son declared it on the cross on Friday, there is an empty tomb on Sunday, the question is, are you ready to be named? Are you ready to hear my son name you personally? Are you ready for intimacy? Do you want to be a brother or sister of Christ? Do you want that spiritual family? That is the gospel, friends. That is what Jesus and the Father did so that you can be part of an eternal spiritual family. Jesus came because of sin. We were separated from God because of sin. Again, I said it Friday night, I'll say it now in conclusion. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you are sinners? Have ever done like just even one sin? All right, now if if any of you disagree with that, you are now a sinner because you just lied. So we're all in the same club, folks. And all it requires is one sin to be separated from the Father. And for that consequence to sin to be hanging on our shoulders. But because of his work on the cross, when he said it is finished, and because of an empty tomb verifying his credibility, we can be named as his brothers and sisters. We just have to say yes. Because the work has been done. Let me conclude with what the text concludes with. This is truly amazing. An empty tomb turned 
weeping into a confident and proud declaration, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Can you say this? Do you say this? What does an empty tomb say to you today? I pray you can say that. I have seen the Lord, and he knows me by name. I have many people tell me, yeah, yeah, I, I said a prayer when I was, you know, 12 at a camp, or yeah, I, I bought into it, you know, I signed a, you know, read something in the back of Popular Mechanics and filled out a card, and yeah, I'm in, man. I always get people's attention when I ask this question, does he know your name? Amen. Because sometimes you've been in these situations, it doesn't matter what I think. When it comes to eternal life, it's what the Father thinks. What would Jesus say? Does he know your name? You can be sure of that based off of the gospel and based off of an urgency to pursue Jesus, not because of anything you've done. Remember, who did he give marching orders to? A woman who had formerly been a prostitute. That's who he revealed himself to first. Says, you don't have to qualify for me to engage with you. As a matter of fact, Mary, I'm going to give you the biggest honor of being the first one to see me. And you're going to go tell the boys what you saw. Can you imagine Mary marching in that room? We don't have to imagine what she said because the way the original language says, she walked through those doors and she said, I saw the Lord. Not in pride, but I saw the Lord. Pay attention, he's alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. I know what I want to be on my tombstone. Not allergies did it. I think what I would like to see on my tombstone is I'm sitting with my brother Jesus. I can say that because I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm part of the family of God. And there's an urgency in my life to pursue him because of an empty tomb. Let me pray this morning. Father, thank you for the glory of this time in your scripture. The celebration of all that you have done in, through, and around us. Work mightily today in the hearts and lives of people. Thank you for this small segment, but such an important segment because of an empty tomb, I can be named by Jesus. And I can be called a brother. And I can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.